Welcome back to the Autoblog Podcast. I'm Greg Migliori. We have an awesome show for you today. Multiple things. We have a jam-packed news segment. Plus, we're going to talk about our what we're driving in our long-term garage. And John Snyder, uh, Senior Editor for All Things Green, is getting our first taste of the BMW X1. But before we get into all of that, we buried the lead. At long last, behold, the Corvette E-Ray exists. So with that, I will welcome in John. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot. Just... Uh... Hoping for some real winter weather. Um, you know, we're getting we're getting uh, snow tires on all all our long termers and stuff, and uh, <laughs> it'd be nice to to you know get a chance to test them out and maybe do some skiing or build a snow fort or something. But other than that, you know, I'm I'm doing good, just trying to stay healthy. And uh, you know, it's that time of year; everything's going around. But um, so far, everything that's come through my family has been super mild. Same. Knock on wood. Um, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, man, it's weird. It's not, I know you're a skier. It's like literally another 10, 15 degrees. I'm going to maybe go see if there's a golf course still open. Like it's 38. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I just walked the dog through the woods, quick kind of lunchtime walk. And it's like, it's just, it's weird. It's like mid to late January. There should be like a foot of snow, you know? And right. it feels like more like mid to late March, but I don't know. I was, I almost bought a pair of skis from Played Against Sports this year. It's like, you know what? Mm -hmm. This is going to be the year I need an expensive winter hobby to go along with my expensive yeah. summer <laughs> hobby. I didn't do it. And I don't think I'm going to. I'm disappointed because I really kind of wanted to get into it a little bit. Uh -huh. So, yeah, man, it's fun. I got in back into it last year uh, after, you know, about a 10 year hiatus. Mm. Um, grew up skiing, loved it. Uh, and then, you know, moved to the Midwest. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, my son Wally, who's now seven, started uh, skiing with me last year, and it's it's great, you know, seeing which cars the skis will fit in, and um, you know, it, it's been it's been you know pretty fun. It's you know Mountain Brighton. It's yeah, it's a good one. A little little uh, sort of a landfill of old road pieces, um, but it's it's only thirty hour uh, thirty minutes from from my driveway to, to their parking lot. So, um, yeah. And, and especially, you know, if I've got something fun to drive, it's, it's always interesting to see how I can fit all our gear inside of a car. So. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I have our long term 330E, which we'll get to in a minute, but I would love to get that sort of iconic shot. Uh, you see it on a lot of like 1970s press photos of the Cooper, the sedan with skis on the top, like yeah. strapped down. That's kind of what I'd like, but uh, I don't know. doesn't seem like it's playing out this way. Uh, and I don't think I have the Bimmer for much longer. It's been here quite some time. So, um, hey, Zach, if you're listening, it's probably time to do a car swap. We'll, we'll figure that out. Perhaps I'll reach out to you directly versus over the airwaves. <laughs> but what do you think of the Corvette E-Ray? Long awaited. Um, this is the most change we've seen for the Corvette in the last four years versus probably the previous 40. Um, it's, I mean, initial impressions. What do you think? Well, I, I was half expecting it to be a plug-in hybrid. And I, I was tempted to be cynical about it just being a, a standard hybrid. Um, but now mulling it over, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, you know, it's uh it gives it all-wheel drive and, and the, the corvette's supposed to be sort of the um every man's supercar sort of thing you know and and i feel like a plug-in hybrid would have raised that cost quite a bit um right off the bat um and with this e-ray you're getting um 
you know, you're getting all wheel drive, you're getting Z06 type horsepower um, for, you know, about a little less than Z06 type prices. Um, so I, I'm the more I think about it, the more excited I am to drive. I think it's going to be a blast to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about it, the Acura NSX and um, just how neat that is. Uh, something super powerful, really powerful combustion engine um, paired with, in that case, three electric motors. This is just one, um, but uh, still, I think it's, uh, you know, the, the Corvette is just such a great car to drive. It's it's really punches up above its weight in terms of, um, you know, performance and driving enjoyment and uh, style for money. And, um, yeah, I think the E-Ray is, is a nice uh, step up for people who, you know, maybe live in Michigan and want to drive their Corvette year round. Um, just slap some winter tires on that and with all wheel drive and you're going you're gonna to be, you know, you'll be flying around in the snow doing, you know, awesome donuts. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could, you could do it with, uh, with rear wheel drive too, but it's just, I don't know. The, the, the all wheel drive adds, you know, plus 10 confidence power, <laughs> you know, just a little badge on, on a car with all wheel drive here. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, just, opening that up to uh, more driving use cases, um, make it more of a year round thing is, is pretty neat. Yeah. I, um, I don't know if you saw the clip of, of all things, the today show, the Corvette actually uh, debuted, it was like eight 30. So a little bit before actually the embargo before everybody else had it up. I mean, uh-huh. Hey, I guess you're NBC, you're the today show. And it showed the Corvette um, lapping the rink at Rockefeller center, which oh, was nice. kind of cool. And yeah, as much as I'm intrigued by the like the hybrid performance, I'm really intrigued to finally try to see what an all-wheel drive Corvette feels like. I think uh, I think they did it the right way. Yeah, I think that's the bigger uh, piece of news or, or interest here is is the all-wheel drive than than the fact that there's an electric motor. Um, I think it's a great way to um, add all-wheel drive to a car like this. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to driving it. I, I, I can only imagine how fun it's going to be. I'm, I'm curious to see what it's going to sound like too. Um, should be, should be interesting. Um, uh, and gosh, you know, the, the performance specs are, are really impressive too. <laughs> it still has yeah, that, that LT2 for you, you know, so yeah. even though you have the electric motor up front, you've got that LT2, which is yeah. going to sound pretty good. I think. Oh, it's got it. Yeah. It's going to still sound great. Um, you know, it's a little bit heavier, but uh, I think that's fine. Um, Agreed. You know, it'll, it'll still do uh, zero to 60 in what, like two and a half seconds? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, who cares if it's a little heavier? Um, if, if it's got the extra power up front to help pull the nose around, that's great. I mean, to me, I would, I'll to use an analogy that makes almost no sense, but it's like you've got the espresso, which I'm drinking right now on my left hand, and then the regular coffee, which I have on my right hand, a little bit tired. <laughs> Um, so, you know, you've got the traditional performance and then you've got like just that little something extra, you know, and I really mm-hmm. think the electric, uh, like rutting gear is going to add that shot of espresso to the Corvette. I mean, I am more excited to drive this Corvette than I am any other variant. It's been like, you know, it's been a long time coming. 
Uh, yeah. And we still don't know all of the like the efficiency specs. Like we don't obviously right. it's too early to know where, how it's going to rate on the EPA. Um, probably not great. <laughs> probably not great. You're right. But the Corvette has never been a terrible as far as except for like the Z06 and some of the other ones, like a gas, like just, you know, guzzler. You know, it's always been a fairly light car. It's mm-hmm. you've been able to get some respectable fuel economy, like at least on the highway with these things. But I, to me, that's obviously the unanswered question. So uh, not concerned mm-hmm. about it. I think I think it kind of adds almost the way they did this instead of going like full electric right away. Yeah. It almost is like it's very much like a like a science experiment kind of vibe where it's like, hey, we're going to add this stuff. We're going to add some performance. Like, I kind of like this sort of measured um, like step for the Corvette. I think it's good, too, to get Corvette buyers used to the idea. I mean, we've both driven the NSX. And I think um, that offers a similar idea of how you could use hybridization to make the performance car even better. So, I think... That's a really good template for Corvette. And there's some other ones out there like McLaren, Ferrari. They've used different forms of hybrid tech to really add more performance than efficiency. But I, I think that's okay for now. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, I, I mean, for you know, the the enthusiasts, the the Corvette purists, you know, if if they weren't pissed off by um you know, going mid-engine with it, and then then they probably shouldn't be too too upset about um, this small step of of just going uh, lightly hybrid instead of um, you know going full electric. I mean, they'll they'll get there. They'll get to all electric uh, someday. But as of right now, this is you know just a little taste of of how um, electrification can enhance performance and um, you know sort of you know, a little appetizer for what's coming in the future. Yeah. I think it, um, long time coming, it makes a ton of sense. I think it's, uh, you know, a situation where to me, clearly with the benefit of hindsight, going to a mid-engine layout, is clearly the right move for Corvette. They, oh, yeah. they didn't have it's to, awesome. but yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at what you have now. This is an exotic supercar. I yeah. mean, that's what this is. Mm-hmm. So, um, I cannot wait to drive this thing. I am very excited by it. I'd love to drive like, like just a base Corvette first, uh, and then drive it right back to it. You know, like sort yeah. of like wet my appetizer, if you will, appetite, and do it that way, just to kind of like really dial in the different vibes. I'd love to do that. Um, I can only imagine where they'll do this press trip. I mean, like you think like Spring Mountain or uh, VIR or mm-hmm. Corvette's done some stuff, I think, at like uh, the place Atlanta. They could be crazy and do something like go to France and drive like some of the Lamar roads or, you know, that would be an epic one too. I'm looking forward to uh, Mark Royce driving it as a uh, pace car and uh, turning trash control off and putting it into a wall. No, <laughs> yeah, that's... That's tough, man. Uh, it was funny. I was, here's a total tangent. I was at the Detroit Grand Prix a few years ago. I don't think it was the same year, but like one of the support trucks was coming around and it was just like drenched. And we were sitting like front row. I think it was like, it could have been the Chevy. It might've been the Honda Chalet, either one. We were sitting front row with a bunch of other journalists and like indie drivers going straight into the walls. Like, I mean, yeah. it was literally like, <laughs> We didn't say the end of the race because we we're like, are they going to finish this thing? We got to get home. It's late. We're tired. 
Um, and then the support truck went through it. It was one of those big blocky things. Dude literally like fishtailed around the corner and then just planted it straight, nailed the apex and kept going. And I yeah, remember awesome. like everybody like <laughs> applauded the guy. It was like, who is this guy? You know, he probably knows the course better than most of the drivers. But it was yeah. one of the cooler things I've ever seen. The guy just like some guy behind me let out like a woohoo. Like, yeah, put him on a team, man. <laughs> it was hilarious. He like fishtailed perfectly, righted it and accelerated through the curve. It was like, what was that? You know, so that's awesome. Yeah. So that's, I think that's the main things. Anything else here you think about the E-Ray? Um, I don't know. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a joy to drive with yep. magnetic ride control, ceramic brake, carbon ceramic brakes. Um, yeah, it's just, it's going to be, I, I, I imagine it's going to be a nice, well-balanced, uh, drive that is just, um, you know, a little more pinned down and, uh, maybe maybe a little more efficient but probably not that much at all but i mean i just i just think it's cool <laughs> the all-wheel drive is gonna be interesting in winter but i do tend to think it's just such a low like land-borne jet of a car is still gonna be essentially like a three seasons car i mean not yeah. right now it's yeah 30 yeah. degree eight <laughs> degrees and the roads are fine but um you know i i tend to think you know, I don't know. All-wheel drive is going to be interesting. It's clearly a performance play, not a, show, a snow play. But right. yeah, I, I'm intrigued by that. I, I'm way more interested in driving this than I am the Z06. I haven't driven the Z06. So I'm, but sign me up for this one first. If, if you're asking me, I, give me this one first. Yeah, I don't know which I would choose. Probably, the, probably this. Yeah. <laughs> probably the hybrid. Yeah. All right. So that's the Corvette E-Ray. Check out the full story. Uh, news editor Joel Stocksdale reported that out for us. Uh, tons of pictures out there. Really, some of the liveries they offer for this one, too, with like the gray with the blue stripes. Very kind of classic, like endurance racing looks. Uh, it's a really good look. So, it looks like something out of the 90s almost. A little great. bit, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Corvettes were pretty great in the 90s, too. That yeah, was like were. good period for them. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's go back in time a little bit. The GTR has an upgrade. Yeah. Uh, like I was out for most of the end of last week and then just got back yesterday. And when I was like, wait, the GTR got a refresh? I'm like, what year What year is this? What are we talking about? Right. This is the first upgrade, major upgrade in seven years. Um, and the T-Spec is back, which I had forgotten about. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, this is this is a way to keep this thing moving until they're done with this generation-ish of the GTR. And, you know, they actually skipped a model year in here. So yeah. it's, it's kind of interesting that Nissan's doing this. But, I mean, it's still out there. There's still people who are going to want it. Uh, I think it's – obviously, this is a good move. You know, just give it a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a refresh. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it – let's start with the looks. It, it looks um, it looks nice. It looks a little more – refined and mature uh, especially up front um that that nose that front fascia um looks a little more polished and finished um but i just think it's neat that you know this they're not it's not a big sales model by any stretch you know like the last few years i mean well last year didn't really count <laughs> they sold it they sold a few that were still on lots but you know um we're talking triple digits since you know 2016 um and uh you know but they're not 
killing it off, which I think is good too. And every every time they they touch it and bring it back, they add a little something of value to it. Um, you know, here we get you know some new looks, um, and uh, we get yeah the T spec trim comes back. Um, then we get some some new arrow stuff that which could actually make it uh, a little faster around a track with the same uh, same powertrain as before. Um, so I think you know just one of the, it's one of those cars that if if you're a fan of it, like you're gonna you know know everything about like the little changes from model year to model year that make each one just a little bit unique. Um, and this one, you know, it's a little bit bigger of a of a change, a little bit of a facelift, but uh, yeah, I just think it's neat that they're they're keeping it alive. And you know, even though it's you know it's such a rare and small selling vehicle, they're they're you know they keep improving it, keep it's, enhancing it. I didn't notice the changes at first. To me, it looked like a GTR, but they did do a good job of cleaning it up. I think some of the like really like almost like Autobot kind of vibes. I think they've smoothed those out a little bit. Um, Still the same 3.8 liter motor, soldiers on, uh, you know, this to me right now, now that they've redone the Nissan, the Z, it, it's somewhat, very significantly, the GTR to me seems almost like their like museum piece that they just keep kicking on down the road. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if, if this is your car, it's there for you. Um, they've always been yeah. a riot to drive. I really oh, man. enjoy them. Godzilla. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've driven one, but wow, yeah. I mean, Godzilla is a good nickname for it. This thing is a, a beast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's fun. It's it's pretty raw. Um, yeah, <laughs> and like, yeah, it's 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 larger than life. It's one of those cars that's like, you know, feels like more substantial and more important than it is when you first look at it or look at look at the specs on paper. I think it may have been, and I had driven it previously. I think it may have been the first press car I drove at Autoblog. I don't know. Oh, wow. It just was like they, like uh, our old managing editor, Steve Ewing, was like, hey, uh, you want to be in cars? It, funny backstory. I think I literally was hired for like a minute to be the social media manager. I don't even know how that worked. Our <laughs> old EIC, Sharon Cardi, like just was like, hey, be great to have you in here this out and that never actually happened i was like immediately doing writing and editing and steve mm -hmm. was like well we don't really know what you know your job was i think at the time but hey you just press cars and <laughs> thankfully i've been in them <laughs> since but um you know i mean it, he had known that i had worked for auto week and automobile where i was mm -hmm. in press cars but it literally was something like hey we have a gtr you want it cool so Heck yeah <laughs> i remember parking it on the street when we lived in berkeley and it was like we had these big, big old streets with curbs, and I was like inching it close to the curb, but yeah. not wanting to cur like curb it. And there were these leaves that you're like, well, can I park on those leaves? I don't want to start a fire with this huge engine, you know, and exhaust. <laughs> so that's my reminder of the GTR. I think I cruised Woodward in it too at one point. Uh, I feel like a, a Dream Cruise Nissan thing. Yeah, good thing to do with it for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's shift over to uh, the business side of things. Carvana, it's not looking good. It's not great, Bob. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we, I mean, there's just a lot of things to peel back here. Um, we've been following it a little bit. Um, 
you know, they've, they're basically on the verge of like circling the drain, being taken over. Uh, many things are not looking good here. The, the vitals are all over the place. Stock actually went up when it sounded like they were trying to do take the the poison pill defense, if yeah. you will. Um, but not to get too much into the weeds here, Carvana's in a rough spot, I think. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, this time next year, do you think you still think they're a thing? Do you think they're bought out by somebody? I think they're bought out. That's my guess. Yeah, I don't know. With, with the poison pill thing, if they're, I mean, They'd have to strike the right deal because mm-hmm. um, they don't want to get taken over. They don't want someone else to be a big shareholder because um, then they can't claim their losses uh, as much. Um, and if they can get through, you know, the next year, um, claim those losses and, um, you know, restructure, they could maybe then after that, maybe uh, someone steps in and, um, helps them out. But, you know, I'm no economist, but uh, the poison pill thing is interesting. I remember Twitter was considering that with, with mm-hmm. Musk. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, basically if, if they, any of their shareholders goes over a certain percent, um, they lose uh, a lot of that uh, being able to claim a lot of that loss. Um, so what, what they're doing is if, you know, someone, does try and you know take a larger share in them um they'll probably sell or give away uh shares um to uh current shareholders to sort of dilute that um that stock uh which is an interesting thing (laughs) but um but yeah i think if they can hold through that and then uh you know see what happens after you know next year maybe 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 they'll make it i mean it, it, it was a neat service um i mean the the vending machines were kind of hokey it was interesting marketing but um you know i've known people who have who've sold cars through carvana and and you know they were able to get good prices and and made sort of it made it sort of convenient for those who didn't want to go through selling a car um, privately uh, makes it sort of easy on them. Um, you know, the pickup and delivery and, and all that. Um, so I think there's still a place for Carvana in the world, but I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> I, like I said, I'm not an economist, but um, I can see them sticking around. Yeah. Well said, first of all, you really explained it uh, very clearly there. I think it's uh you know, it's a weird situation to be in. I feel like the, you know, I mean, I've thought of using them. I have a car I'm looking to unload. I need to do some stuff to it first or have the dealer do some stuff to it. But it's, it can be a relatively convenient way to, you know, move a car. And we know a couple yeah. people on staff have done it. So I think the business model is actually pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. it's not one of those things where you're like, you know, like this is like a meme stock or something. This is like right. a company who I think, their time is still very much around, but you know, it's just the car business has been so uneven the last few yeah. years. You know, it's been tough for them, yeah. I think, to do things with certainty. Right. And, you know, hopefully uh, you know, used car prices will stabilize a little bit. It sounds like 
Sounds like they're starting to drop on average just a, a tad. Um, but, you know, if that could stabilize um, and, and they can get through until it's stabilized, then, yeah, like I, like you said, you know, it's, it's a good business model. Um, it, it's, a, it's a valuable uh, tool for, for people, for customers. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't, I just hope the Carvana name doesn't get sort of tarnished too much by, by this whole debacle that, um, that they go away and then, you know, someone else will start up with the, with the same idea and they'll be like, oh, it's just another Carvana. Look what happened to them. It's a good idea. I mean, yeah. stick with it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, you know, I, I wonder if like the poison pill is a really not to get too stocky here, but I wonder if like to me, it's a company and maybe even part of the, the industry that is ripe for some consolidation. But to your point, I don't know how that would be possible at this moment, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, who knows? We'll see. I mean, really, when you look at some of the challenges the car business faces, it's like electric oh, yeah. vehicle infrastructure. And it's of course, selling the cars, you know, I think the dealer, model is something that's going to be in for a shift in the coming years. And um, oh, yeah. Polestar has a take on that. They're trying to sell their cars out of snow palaces um, <laughs> in Finland. Test drives yeah, out of chocolate. That sounds pretty good to me. That's really cool. Yeah, the, they have that snow space mm -hmm. that they built in Finland, which is really cool, offering test drives and hot chocolate, which is uh, just awesome. Um, <laughs> you know, out in the Arctic circle, um, the actual, I I'd like to see inside of it. I've only seen, you know, exterior photos of, of this, uh, showroom, but, um, it's really cool. It looks like they're, it's, you know, it's a little cube, like they're, like their headquarters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I, if I, you know, were anywhere near there, I'd certainly go visit it just to check it out. But you know, uh, places where they, you know, generally do make like ice castles and they have ice hotels and stuff. Um, it might not be as novel for them, but I think it's cool either way from, from where I'm sitting here in the warm, uh, semi rainy yeah. US. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you're wondering what we're talking about, Polestar announced this kind of like showroom, if you will, um, where you could go in, in Finland and it's like a snow castle. And I believe you can drive a car on like a snow sort of space track like thing. And, um, you know, check out the story if you're again, if you want more details, it looks cool. It's going to be dismantled towards the end of winter. It's not a permanent thing. And Polestar, which speaking of a sales model, they sell a lot of their stuff. I believe most of it online. So like what you would do is you would go there, sample the car, have a hot chocolate, then probably pull up your phone or go home and try to make a deal. And I'm sure they could help you with that too. But this to me is sort of like, uh, you know, an edge case, uh, but also, you know, a way that I think car companies are going to try to make the dealership experience a little more warm and friendly and cozy and benevolent and factory controlled, you know, like there's mm -hmm. a lot of things here that I think play into it. So some of the specs on the building itself are, are kind of neat. Oh my uh, it's, gosh. it's is from a, a ski resort nearby, but uh, 106,000 cubic feet of snow um, from that ski resort. Uh, 6.5 foot thick walls. Um, took about 20 days to build, which actually isn't bad when you consider how long it takes to build an actual building. And then, yeah, uh, 
they're going to dismantle it uh, February 26th and return the, the snow to the uh, ski resort, which is kind of neat. Sounds good. Sounds good. I see a theme developing on this podcast. Skiing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here's another news hit that I thought was kind of interesting, but I kind of saw it coming. Mercedes mm-hmm. might stop using the EQ name um, just because a big chunk of their lineup is going to be electric. So there's not really a reason to keep using EQ uh, as you know you might see on like the EQS, the EQS SUV. Um, this is a report from Reuters. Uh, I, you know, it's interesting. We don't totally know what they'll do exactly next because like, you know, they're developing some brand awareness with this. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's a little tricky, I think, because look at this by the end of 2024. Like, what do these cars then become? I don't think Mercedes is going to be all electric at that point. I'm uh, pretty sure they're not. So it's like, yet, no. uh, to me, this is sort of an obvious choice, but it's also like, how do you implement it? So I don't know. Yeah. I'm curious what, I mean, are they just going to go back to, you know, the, you know, EQS SUV will be the GLS. Again? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, that remains to be seen, but I mean, it's an opportunity for them to make, uh, I don't know, some naming choices that are a little more intuitive for yeah. consumers. Um, cause adding EQ to, to everything, um, just made it even more compli- uh, complicated with between like the SUVs and the stands. And, um, when I first read, you know, I saw a headline that, uh, Mercedes would like end the EQ brand. I was like, what? Like, no, they're just dropping the name yeah. <laughs> and incorporating it into, you know, their regular thing. It makes total sense if everything's going to be electric. Um, yeah, simplify that naming structure, but make it, please make it something, um, a little more intuitive for consumers. Yeah. I mean, I think when you have a small lineup, like of EQ, S, EQE, SUV, like regular EQE, people can sort of figure it out. It's sort of like uh, an annex to your uh, conventionally like ice powered vehicles. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're more and more electric, it's just confusing. It's like, well, this is electric. Well, isn't this electric? Like, what are you doing here? You know, who's on first? So yeah. uh, I kind of like it though, just from a pure aesthetic standpoint, like EQ. EQS, you know, yeah. I don't know. It's not a bad, we've seen worse, you know, look at infinity a few years ago or <laughs> yeah, Acura a few worse. years ago. So, um, wouldn't yeah. it be something if Mercedes actually started giving their cars actual names instead of the alphanumeric thing? I yeah. doubt they would, but boy, yeah. that'd be something that'd be, that'd be big news. <laughs> I would say you've got, uh, you know, as much a chance of that happening these days as, uh, you know, that ski resort in Finland uh, totally melting down in January or something, yeah. I think, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but. I think you're right. So, uh, you're not a big fan of this rotary extender thing for hybrids. You wrote a column on that. Um, I think news editor Joel Stockstill has a bit of a different take on that, so check that out. He's a little more bullish on him, uh, yeah. not to put words in his mouth, but he had a very nice history piece. And, you know, your take is this is like, well... You can do this. You should bring back rotary, or you could bring back rotary, but this is not the way to do it. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> For one thing, the car that's going in, the, the, the MX30, uh, 
already like has very little range um you know 100 miles of of range and then uh to add a range extender they are decreasing the battery size um significantly and uh, adding more range overall but uh it sort of i don't know defeats the purpose of this being a built as an ev first um i mean there's a reason i mean i mean the volt is gone the i3 with a range extender is gone um i mean if people are gonna buy something like this they're, they're gonna buy something that is sort of based off of an internal combustion vehicle and that's made um into a plug-in hybrid um if you're gonna have a if you're gonna revive the rotary have it actually do something cool it's it's a it's an oddity it's a sort of a piece of history and having it just running at you know some sort of constant rpm silently in the background um you know it, the mazda says that they've you know corrected some of the efficiency and reliability um problems with the rotary but uh we'll see if if, if that's true if you're gonna put up with that um have it drive the real the wheels you know make a plug-in hybrid where the rotary engine you know supplies power to the wheels and you get to hear it rev and make all those weird noises <laughs> um, that that we used to love or some people used to hate um but i don't know it's just i i will i would like to see um a, a rotary engine go into something new um like a new vehicle not just plop it in an already super flawed vehicle and tr try and sort of fix its flaws with this but uh i don't know that was just sort of my my take on it um you know i, I hope to be proven wrong and that maybe this rotary range extender will be you know super efficient and it'll work really well and won't have any problems you know <laughs> if it's running at you know stable rpms and you know it, it'll be quiet which is great um and it's lightweight which is also great but i don't know it's there's different ways to bring back the rotary mazda it, i just saw a report today mazda is still you know it's still a dream to bring back a rotary in a sports car um they say now is not the time obviously um i mean that time's gonna probably run out before they get a chance to realize that dream but uh i don't know we'll see i i it's easy to be cynical about it for me um but uh yeah joel has some some points about about um you know the lightweight and the quietness and nvh um but gosh just what a weird car <laughs> the mx30 with the range yeah. extender it's just i don't know they it feels like the whole diesel debacle all over again uh i'm surprised that they went through with the cost to develop this and put it in this car um maybe they've got some other plans for the rotary um <laughs> in in cars better suited for it uh in the future in which case um i'll happily eat my words but 
for now, I just think it's weird. It was a weird choice to to reintroduce it this way. Yeah, I um, I, I basically agree with you. I'm intrigued if there will be like broader uses of like the rotary tech, and that might make a little bit more sense. And this is yeah. almost like a test case. Like, hey, we're going to put it in this car crossover thing <laughs> that you know we know isn't going to really be all, like a huge sales volume. So we can test it out. We've made this kind of like Franken car experiment thing, but we'll like sort of verify the tech and we'll make this kind of, some people will love the MX-30 with this, I would venture a guess. Uh, and they do improve it because it's a better product. That being said, like I, the MX-30 is a weird like duck. Let's put it that way. I, I think it's, at least more of the times than like a diesel Mazda that they rolled out a few years ago. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's that, but it's a weird car. And I, I want to like keep an open mind because as automotive journalists, sometimes we get very like, like dogmatic and how things fit and what their missions are. Like I, uh. I haven't driven it. I'd be intrigued to drive it, but you know, I, I do tend to agree broadly with your thoughts like what's the point here um you know i've i don't i found the mx30 on its own to be like pretty frustrating to to use i mean it's got those rear half doors that open backwards Mm -hmm. and they're not really much use it it doesn't make it any easier to get a car seat back there Mm -hmm. than just to have you know a slightly longer door that would actually make it easier um but um and, and just a lot of weird things like that and but i will i will say this it is it is kind of neat and that it's interesting and odd if there's you know whatever the future version of radwood is mm-hmm. you know in, yeah. in 20 30 years um the mx30 would be a cool car for that mm-hmm. i mean they you know it's a weird car it's rare because partly because no one wants it and those are the cars that a lot of times find love um later in life and then you know add a rotary engine to that it doesn't matter if it doesn't drive the wheels it's just another uh fun fact about the car that, yeah. that you know people will maybe look at fondly with a little chuckle in the future i'm curious too uh as to what you know, if anything, this means for rotary for Mazda going forward, you know, because for Mm -hmm. them, rotary is a signature technology, you know? Right. So it's, there's a little risk here. Like, you know, you're bringing back something that like has a lot of meaning, uh, especially to your brand loyalists. So you don't want to misuse it. Um, So I, I just, I think there is a level of risk here with that too, for Mazda. Um, Perhaps we'll know more. I mean, when I think of rotary, I think of the last RX-8 press car I drove, oh, yeah. which that was, like, fantastic. was amazing. I loved everything <laughs> about that car. It the But obviously, the it was horrible for gas. And even in 2008, I think it was past its time, 2009, somewhere in there. Yeah. But I, mean, I, just, I also happened to really, really love the RX-8. Oh, it was incredible to drive. Um, just really well balanced. And, yeah. and, and you could have put a different engine in it and it still would have been great. But um, the rotary made it all that more interesting with, you know, the high revs and, and the sort of slightly different uh, sound signature to it. Um, and again, it's just kind of neat. <laughs> it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But now, yeah, that was that was such a fun car to drive. I don't know if I'd want to own own one, but uh, but man, I loved when I got the chance to drive it. That'd be a summer car. Like I would, yeah. you know, put it in the garage, enjoy it, drive it around town, and that's what it is. You know, that's like your toy car. Do you have that? Do you have a classic? Do you have like an off-road kind of thing? Like pick your third or fourth car, and that to me is where that would sit right now. Unless you have yeah. a really short, really clear sort of commute, maybe you work remotely and you don't drive necessarily, like you drive like four or five times a week instead of necessarily every day. Um, you know, this could be your car in that circumstance. It's almost like a motorcycle at that point. You know, you don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't get all the practical benefits of a car. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah. Cool. So close out the news section here with the North American Car, Truck, and Utility Vehicle of the Year Awards. Uh, sort of like the Oscars of the car business uh, as far as the awards. Uh, full disclosure, I am a juror and... Uh, treasurer now. Treasurer, that's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> you may be getting an invoice from me. Let's put it that way. If you're listening to this, <laughs> I get to invoice even more people than I do already as editor. Um, but... So, yeah, the winners, I mean, you know, in case you missed it, uh, we're a little bit behind this because I went to Florida right after the announcement. So, there was that. But um, the winners were the Ford F-150 Lightning. That's in the truck category. Uh, <clears throat> it beat out the Lordstown Endurance and the Chevy Silverado ZR2. Uh, the car category, the Acura Integra one. And then in the uh, utility side of things, it was the Kia EV6. So, um you know, it was a great field this year. Uh, you know, a lot of electrics made up the the finalists here. Mm -hmm. uh, there was uh, the way we do it is, you know, you, you kind of review the vehicles throughout the year, either on press trips or what comes through the press fleets. And then there's a big fall drive in October where, um, <clears throat> you know, there's like basically two, three days of testing. And then the final vote is in January. So, you know, I've been on the, the jury for a couple of years. It's a lot of fun. Um, I guess I think I thought it'd be more interesting rather than debating the winners is I just kind of throw my ballot out here and you can tell me if you think I'm crazy okay. and I'll, I'll collate them against the uh, the winners, if you will. And okay. I, I've talked to some colleagues. Uh, I, I'm allowed to reveal my ballot, if you will. Others have too. Um, but I, I don't obviously talk about what other people did and I don't know what other people did. So, mm -hmm. um, in the, let's see, in the truck category, I went with the Lightning. I mean, yeah. it was a slam dunk. I think the Silverado yeah. ZR2 is awesome <laughs> truck, yeah. you know, very cool. But I mean, you've got like the most, you know, like advanced pickup truck ever, you know? I mean, how yeah, do you... It's, it's amazing. It's a great truck. <laughs> it's just so good. Uh, how could you not pick that one? Yeah. I mean, it was really, it was really, really awesome. Um, We've all most of the people on staff have driven the, the Lightning. Uh, it, I think it was one of my definitely one of my favorite vehicles that I drove last year. Uh, yeah, looking me too. forward to getting into more time in the spring. I got some new mulch this year. Yeah, there you go. You got plenty of places to put it. You can put it up front, you can That's put right. it in the back. <laughs> this year for my mulch run, I need to do it. I think I want to do it myself, get into like a Lightning or a Ram or Silverado because the delivery guys have been bringing me too much. I literally have like a beach head of mulch now. Maybe you've noticed it when we swap cars. It's like, there's a little too much mulch. So I need to maybe sort of throw some of that somewhere else, maybe into like the woods or something. And then just, we're going to try to go with clean wood chips this year. That's what we're going to do. There you go. So 
Uh, so that was the truck category. Uh, in the car category, I voted for the Acura Integra. Integra. Uh, it also won. Uh, it beat out the Genesis G80, uh, which is electrified, by the way, and the Nissan Z. Uh, this one, I think, was a very, it was a tough call for me. Uh, I, what I do with my voting is I like to kind of, depending on the year, and I do this for other, like whether I'm voting for an Autoblog Award or just other publications I've worked for, I like to weigh my points towards what I want to be the winner. And then I sort of scale it out. So like second and third place, get a few points so I can still have like a little bit of a say if what I think is going to win doesn't win. Like if you give all your points to something and it doesn't win, you're like, well, okay, you know, what did that get me? So I like to try to my thought is try to balance it. Not everybody does it that way. You know, different people did it that way for our editor's picks, things like that. But again, I weighted very heavily towards the Lightning and I did uh, weigh pretty heavily towards the Integra. I just really liked, um, the car resonated with me pretty deeply at the drive and then in some uh, other press loans I had. I thought, you know, it was tricky this year because the the Genesis G80, the electrified one, uh, mm-hmm. was only available in eight states um, for a good chunk of the year. So that kind of was a bit of a holdup. And the Nissan Z, I really, really like that one too. Uh, but I just thought of these, you know, based about how they, you know, measured up against like their competitors, you know, I just, for me, the Integra was, uh, was a really solid choice. Uh, the car really so- resonated. So basically, the the Civic won two years in a row. <laughs> sort of, yeah. It's been a good couple of years for uh, American Honda. Um, yeah, the Integra, the Integra was the one uh, of these three winners that um, maybe surprised me a little bit. Um, I, I might have had different uh, finalists than these three, but um, but uh, man, I don't know. I I haven't driven. Uh, the Integra, and I haven't driven the new Z yet, so I'll just leave it there. <laughs> the Z was, I thought, incredible. A really, really good um, effort for Nissan. Uh, I kind of love that it made it through to the finalists. I, To be quite honest, I was a little surprised to see that it did, just given how focused we are, like, just as a society and an industry on, like, electric cars and just mm-hmm. every other, you know, more, like, mainstream offerings. But it was really an incredible offering, and I think this is an example too, where it's like, like literally being a finalist was really a good thing. I mean, it's to me like a, a true meat and potato sports car found a way to rise near the top, you know, yeah, almost like, you know, I don't know, making the playoffs or making the college football playoff or something like final four. It's still a really big deal. I think. I'm kind of surprised that the GR Corolla didn't make it to the finals, but I don't know. I, I, that's yeah. another one I haven't driven, yeah. <laughs> to be fair. So I should stop uh, offering my opinion on these. <laughs> no, no, that's, uh, it's better than me talking to myself. And then one where I I was a little torn on this. Uh, the winner was the EV6, which I did give some points to, but I actually went with the Cadillac Lyric. was yeah. really t- torn on that one. They only sold 122 of them last year, uh, which I believe Reuters or the Free Press or somebody reported that. Uh, I thought the Lyric was an incredible offering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did end up giving that the most points in the utility vehicle category. Uh, but I, I also 
like I really love the EV6 too. Um, the EV6 got some points for me too. Let me put it that way. And then I add third, the Genesis uh, GV60, simply because I like the EV6 better than the GV60. I, yeah. I really think it's a better <laughs> value. It's, I like how it looks better. Uh, the GV60 is probably the right utility vehicle for some people. Like if you want the facial scan, you want the orb, you like how it looks, you want like the Genesis brand. Uh, but I mean, to me, the EV6, and then you factor in the GT. I mean, it's just to me, it's like a mic, a mic drop sort of moment yeah. for Kia. Yeah, that would have been hard for me between the Lyric and the EV6. Those are both just fantastic yeah. vehicles to drive and just really good packages all around. And, um, and the Lyric, you know, a tr tremendous interior design and excellent value, too. Mm -hmm. for, uh, <laughs> for what you pay, you get a lot. Um, and, yeah, just uh, a really good step forward for, for Cadillac uh, in terms of uh, quality. Um, and yeah, also very fun to drive the yeah. EV6. Um, I don't know. He's same thing could be said, really. <laughs> you get a lot of, a lot for your money. Um, again, really, uh, fun to drive, very useful. Um, yeah, that would have been a hard pick between those two for me. It was a little tricky too, because on one hand I was like, well, the G80, the electrified version, that's only available in eight states. And they've got the Lyric, which only sold 122 or delivered 122. Right. Sort of my rationale and everybody's is obviously different, is that the Lyric will be a widely available vehicle at yes. some point. And I assume the G80 will, I think. Um, but I mean, for now, they are kind of sticking to like certain states with that one. Whereas I think once they ramp up production. So that was kind of how I... Um, I framed my decision-making, arriving to slightly different conclusions uh, with somewhat similar situations. And I also did, I really liked the Lyric. The G80 electric was great too, but I, in that case, I actually happened to really like the Integra. Um, mm -hmm. So, and how they matched up against their competitors. So, um, yeah, those are the winners. Um, we'll see. You know, we'll see what the next year holds. It's going to be you know, more electric. There's a lot of great things that are going to be uh, coming out that I can't wait to drive for, for Nactoy and also for tech of the year. You know, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a really interesting time to be in this business. I mean, just to kind of close it out. It yeah. So, so many new and interesting vehicles uh, and, and new takes on, on vehicles yeah. from automakers. I think it's great. So let's talk about what's in our long-term garage, specifically our long-term garages, um, the 330E, that's the BMW, and you have mm -hmm. the EV6. Speaking of, um, mm -hmm. I can give a fairly quick update on my long-termer. Took it to the airport. We got three huge suitcases in the trunk, which I was surprised. I thought we were going to have to do one of those dreadful things where you stuff a suitcase like in the back seat, <laughs> and that's just, that's never a good situation. We got a big stroller in there too, which worked out pretty well, more as like a mobile platform for my kid. Yeah. Um, we got a ton of stuff in it. So it was really good at airport duty. Uh, I have mentioned this before that it's on Nokian uh, winter tires and obviously that's all wheel drive. So it's been really good. We haven't had much if any snow uh, since that bomb cyclone that hit us at Christmas. Yeah. Um, but even for Michigan, that wasn't that bad. It was just no, more like- it was cold. Yeah. And like <laughs> if you were driving on Christmas Eve at like the wrong time, it wasn't a great, right. great thing. It's been 
very solid for me. Uh, I just, I'm annoyed because I keep filling it up. It's like, <laughs> it really yeah. is bugging me just how much I have to fill this thing up. Um, and I'm driving it in like eco, hybrid eco mode to just try to skimp on fuel. It really, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating. But otherwise, it's great having a three series that handles well, looks great. You know, that, it's been very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, that, that trunk is, is quite spacious and uh, useful. I've been able to fit a lot of big and odd sized things in there too. As is the hatch of the EV6, I put some flowers in there last fall. What uh, a different EV6. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, what have you been doing with our long termer? Uh, I was putting skis in it. Skis. It was, okay. Uh, All right. You know, I was able to either put the rear, one half of the rear seat down and, and still have Wally in the back um, and have room for the skis or. Uh, Alternatively, if I didn't want to take out Lola's car seat, I could just sort of uh, lean it over the the top of the seat and the, the headrest sort of kept them in place and they didn't slide around or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, if they're flat on the floor, sometimes they slide around a little bit. But yeah, it's been holding stuff. Uh, you know, we have bow staffs for karate that we fit in there. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, during that bomb cyclone, um, I, I had no real issues with it, um, except the the one thing was, uh, the automatic folding mirrors would kind of freeze in place. The I, I'm surprised the the pop out door handles were totally fine though. Those you know, as the car was covered in like a, a nice coating of ice, but those still functioned perfectly fine. I was I was pleased about that. Um. And the, those mirrors just needed just the littlest nudge to get them mm. all the way open. Um, but uh, other than that, it was it was great. You know, it you definitely lose range and and it charges slower um, in the winter, but uh, it still operates just fine. Um, I found myself sort of wishing that there was a rear wiper on it, mm. um, just as you know, snow sort of gets blown back there uh, from the arrow um, and sort of starts sticking to it. I just wanted to, I, I could have the, the defroster on, but it just, you know, when it was that cold, it just wasn't cutting it. Um, and it would get sort of dirty and, and uh, you know, as the snow melted or and refroze, it would just, the dirt would sort of build up on that back window. It'd be nice just to be able to, press a button and have it uh you know clear off but um other than that yeah it performed really well in the snow and this was still on you know the, the all seasons um so uh zach took it and got uh blizz axe on it <laughs> so i i i'm a little jealous of whoever gets it next if we get snow, because that's that's gonna be that's gonna be fun to drive in the snow with those with those winter tires on it. Yeah, I um, I would definitely enjoy getting that maybe uh, next month. You know, coming up mm-hmm. pretty soon. I think that'll be good. Um, like I said, I'm I really like driving the 330e, but I'm about ready to be try something new. It's the only yeah. press car I've had for about a month. Uh, I did have the Integra uh, before that, um, which was obviously awesome. But um, yeah. And I've, I feel like I've been seeing EV6s almost every day on the road. 
Yeah. Uh, I wasn't the only EV6 at, the, at Mount Brighton. I, I've seen them all over the place. Sometimes people spot me too and they'll give a little wave. Um, but yeah, they're popping up around Ann Arbor quite a I, bit. I it's saw to one, see. not in Brighton, but like sort of like Western Oakland County, like way out there. So like sort of almost on the way to Brighton. When uh -huh. we were getting, um, we were at a Christmas tree farm and I pulled in and I was like, wait a minute, there's like, there was at least one EV6 out there. And I'm like, okay, cool. So you are seeing more of them. Guy at my kid's school has one. Like you definitely see them around. Yeah. And I mean, it's a really good electric car uh, yeah. crossover. It's functional. It looks great. It's electric. Um, you know, this to me in some ways is more like a Tesla than a Tesla is. You know, the interior is better. I actually rode um, in a Model Y recently. And I was like, wow, Tesla interiors are, it was the first time I had been in a Tesla in a while. I was like, on one hand, I love how clean and minimalistic Tesla yeah. interiors are. I think that's a great thing. But I also was like, man, this is pretty basic, you know, like yeah. multiple electric cars or regular cars at similar price points have far better or nicer interiors. So, um, yeah, it's also kind of interesting to roll around in a Model Y. It was a, a Lyft driver. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I've seen lots of Uber and Lyft Teslas um, on the road. I mean, it's a good car for it. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about the X1. Um, so far, so good. Uh, you know, I, I've only had it um, for about a day now, um, but I've done a couple runs in it, and um, I, I really like the interior design of it. Um, I feel like BMW's interior design as of late has um, improved and been more a little more had a little more personality rather than just trying to to be super designy for lack of a better word. And now it's, it's, it's got more um, depth and, and purpose to some of it. Uh, but while still looking special and, and new. Um, so I really like that. Um, I sort of forgot how small it is. You got to really sort of move. Uh, I put, Lola's rear-facing seat behind the passenger seat had to move that way up. <laughs> uh, but on the other hand, it drives really a lot like a car. It's very car-like um, and it's handling, um, you know, good throttle response, um, uh, really sharp brakes, almost too sharp. I found myself, um, if I was trying to stop, you know, pretty smoothly, you know, the, the, the pedal will go down and go down and then the resistance just falls off. And then, uh, then your foot just kind of goes almost to the floor and it bites down on the brakes and sort of jerks you around. But that's great when you're driving it, um, a little bit more enthusiastically. It feels, it feels wonderful for that application. It's just when I want it to settle down a little bit, um, that it gets a little, you know, it's hard to drive smoothly. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, this one is uh, $46,000. It doesn't have a lot of of added stuff to it, which is kind of nice. It has a premium package, which gives you, um, you know, heated steering wheel, some uh, high-gloss trim, heated front seats, uh, and some parking stuff in the 
Harman Kardon um, audio system and the wireless charger for your phone. That is a little weird because it's almost vertical. It's down below the center stack and it's sort of, sort of this wide thing and you're supposed to orient it, uh, your phone vertically on this, on this um, charger and it just leans back just slightly. Um, but there's nothing really on the sides to, to hold it in place. So every time you turn, it falls off the charger. Uh, I'd have to, you know, if it were my car, I'd, I'd have to rig something up and put something, a little foam along the bottom so it would actually hold it in place or something. But it does make it really easy to access. And if you've got like a map, um, you know, your, your directions on your phone and you're not using CarPlay or something, you can see it really well. Um, you know, it's in the proper orientation and um yeah not hidden away um but yeah it's it's so far so good i think that the more i drive it the more i'm gonna like it the less the things like the grabby brakes and um you know some of some of the ah, there's there's some weirdness in the in the throttle performance i don't know if it's turbo lag or what? I, I, I'm assuming it's turbo lag. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think it's just throttle response, but there's sometimes, you know, just a little bit more of a delay for it rolling off the line than I would expect. But, um, you know, these are things you get used to. And um, once you learn to drive them, once they become, you know, sort of nature and you work around them, they can become, well, especially with the brakes, it can become an asset to it. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I, I think this one's going to grow on me. I like the, the exterior design too. Um, I, I like the, the big kidney grill. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it's a, it's a pretty good execution of it, um, on this vehicle. And, and the nose is sort of slanted forward a little bit, uh, which kind of reminds me of some of the old BMW noses. So Overall, yeah, first impressions are really good. I agree with you. I think it looks really good. I think uh, X1 competes in the category where you need to try to win with design. Um, so I'm definitely interested to try this one out. The X1 was always or had been sort of the runt of the BMW crossover mm -hmm. litter for obvious reasons. It's the X1, right? But it also wasn't always that good, I remember. We had a long-term X1 when I was at Automobile, and it was not a very popular vehicle, let's put it that way. Um, you know, it wasn't very sporty. It wasn't very big. Uh, but I feel like this, you know, as we move on, <laughs> I was at Automobile like nine years ago. So I'm really talking <laughs> about long generations ago. Um, but it definitely is a situation where, um, you know, it feels like the X1 is a very credible product. It's you know, larger, it has a good style play, uh, you know, seven speed transmission with 241 horsepower turbo four. So just sort of saying that aloud, I can see where you would get some dissonance as far as like kind of taking off. Like, again, you've driven it, I haven't. And mm -hmm. it sounds like you're still trying to figure out what that slow first step is. I would like, I could almost picture that feel at a BMW, yeah, yeah. if you will, <laughs> you know, that kind of powertrain vibe. Um, but I like it and it's an interesting segment too, I think, you know, uh, just going through different, like looking at different things we've written and then car and driver usually has a pretty good ranking. 
they actually put the XC40 from Volvo number one in the small segment, and they mm-hmm. go with X1, X2, GLA, um, and then GLB. And the X1 mm-hmm. they have is number two. Uh, I don't think I would probably rank them that way. Volvo tends to be a very uh, polarizing uh, thing, as in like everybody generally likes them in our business. But the question is, how much do you like them? Do you rank them ahead of the Mercedes, the BMWs, the Audis in the field? Or do you bump them down a little bit? I tend to really like the GLB in this segment. GLB is great. So that would be more like my take. Some of that is more on the aesthetics, though. Yeah, I'm a a big fan of the GLB. But um, I don't know. There's something about this one. It it just feels a little more sporty. Um, The design, I mean, it's still fresh yeah um so so i think it looks really nice and it sort of stands apart on its own a little bit more than um bmw has in the in the past you know generation or two in terms of in terms of design especially interior design um yeah i'd have to drive them back to back but it'd be that'd be a hard that'd be a hard choice the the glb is a little um bigger this is still pretty big in terms of cargo room that second row is um like i said a little tight but it's it's not bad if you're just sitting there you know if you're not trying to stuff car seats into it um yeah it'd be a tough call it'd be a tough call this one i think maybe feels a little bit sportier a little bit better handling um yeah a little more of a little more of a driver's uh, compact suv I could see that. I mean, it, I haven't been very disappointed in any BMW I've driven lately. And just having our long-term 330e has reminded me just how good they are at creating driver's products. Mm-hmm. So I could easily see me getting driving this, getting very excited and bumping this to the head of the class. And I would probably put it ahead of the XC40. <laughs> um, I yeah. might, yeah. I might too. It, it's, it'd be more fun. It's more fun to drive for sure. Nice. So that's, I think that's the show. We've talked about a lot of things. We've gotten most of it in. Uh, I've been asking people about their fall winter beer selections. Do you have one of those? You're doing a dry January. What, what are you doing? Um, I haven't had a lot, uh, so far. Um, I did bust out this, uh, I think I've talked about it before, but it's this Austrian, uh, stone pine oh, yeah. schnapps called oh, yeah. Zirbens. Uh, it's just a really nice sipping thing. Um, and let's see. I I got some mead for Christmas from oh, okay. Super Superstition Meadery. I haven't uh, cracked it open yet, but I have had their stuff before, and it's it's really good. If you like mead at all, it's um, yeah, it's really really good stuff. Uh, you, know, you got to get ready for that first hit of sweetness uh, mixed with the hotness of the high ABV. But, um, but yeah, after the first sip or two, it, it just tastes really nice. And, and they have some uh, really sort of unique and different uh, flavors, um, sort of a wide profile of, of different needs. So I'm, I'm looking forward to cracking those open, um, but I have not yet. Interesting. Okay. I Well, I'm definitely not doing a dry January up to this point. You know, with the end <laughs> of the holidays, there was some football on and then going on vacation. Uh, 
You know, I was yeah. definitely enjoying some post-holiday Stella's. Um, you know, that was pretty good. I, I think Stella is always a good uh, beer, especially when it's cold out and around the holidays uh, and into the new year. Uh, I So, I don't have any necessarily recommendations beyond what I was drinking up until I came back uh, from vacay. But um, I am like, I'm definitely not going to do a dry January, but and great for you if you are. That, that's fine. But mm -hmm. uh what I think I might lean into, though, is maybe next time I run to the store, I may try like a non-alcoholic, though, just just to try it. I've heard from some people on staff who are like into this is that it is good for like, uh, like, I don't know, your joints or something or relieving inflammation. Like you get some benefits from drinking uh, non-alcoholic beers that you don't get from drinking regular beers. And I tend to like to just throw that kind of change up in my alcoholic consumption. It's also yeah. good in the summer for like golf course beers, like, yeah. you know, stay hydrated. And if you, if you like sour beers at all, like yeah. sort of fruity, fruity sour beers, kombucha is a pretty good mm -hmm. um, alternative. To I like that kombucha. Too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, really good for your gut too. It's expensive. That's the one thing it, that it is, yeah. throws me a little bit, but I, I like that as well. Yeah. There's actually a, a tasting room somewhat near where I live called Cadillac Straits. Great name, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, they offer like a pretty like like a, a maybe not a tapas menu, but very little bit of food, and then like a few brews, some wine, and some kombucha. So you know you can pull up, maybe have a beer, try out whatever they have going on that day, and then just kind of throttle things back and you know have a kombucha as you kind of you know talk about let things settle and you know get some yeah. you know get some of the benefits of that. And you mentioned Stella. Um, sort of along that sort of style, um, sort of the skunky green bottle beer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had for the first time in a couple of years, I had a, a Kingfisher, which. Oh my gosh. Um, you haven't had those in forever. Yeah. I had an Indian restaurant and I was like, it, it immediately took me back to, you know, the, when I used to drink them when I was eating Indian food as much as humanly possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just haven't seen it around um, for a couple of years. And so I, I had it and it tastes exactly like I remember it. And yeah, it's that same sort of style there, but it's pretty good. Well, I'll, I'll see your skunky green bottle beer and raise you a rolling rock, which takes me oh, back okay. to like oh, man. my first year at Michigan State because it was a dollar for like, yeah. like a bottle of beer and you could, you know, have many of them for like, you know, however much money you had in your pockets. And I, I was just, I was, I was a pretty clean skunky beer, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so every now and then I'll see one of those and you drink one of those and remember what it's like to be, yeah. be young. And yeah, it's another good golf course or lawnmower beer. I drank a lot of that. Uh, my sophomore year, we lived above this uh, liquor store called Sergeant Peppers and they had cases oh, yeah, of yeah. Bot bottles for super cheap. Yeah. And so that's what, that's what we get. 20 years ago, Rolling Rock was apparently what people drank in college. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I guess, uh, guess we'll just leave it there. If you enjoy the show, if you have any Witcher beer recommendations besides Rolling Rock or Kingfisher, let me know. Uh, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get the podcast. Uh, send us your Spend My Monies. I believe we have a pretty empty queue at this point. That's podcast at autoblog.com. Be safe out there, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>